Hey you guys and welcome back to Thanks Trauma. Welcome back you guys. This is my fifth episode. Not that I'm doing anything important, but I will be talking about narcissistic family roles and I think that is very important when talking about childhood trauma. So I'll jump right into it. I do have my coffee, so I feel a bit more energetic for this episode. Starting with the narcissistic parent. This parent can often either play the hero or the victim and their love sounds unconditional or they try to come off as it's unconditional but their love is very conditional and they often want to be praised and respected for the things that they do. From my own experience and I'm sure others who have a narcissistic parent, this sounds like how could you do this? How can you do that when I've done all of this for you? When your father and I have done all of this for you? And later I'll get into the scapegoat role but that's a big thing to hear as a scapegoat child when you are speaking out about what's happening or what has happened in your family. This parent makes it hard to speak to others about what's going on in your family because they put on that happy image, that fake image that everything's perfect in your family and everything's just fine. I also want to say that I'm not expanding too much on each role, but I will put my doors in the description box. The next parent role is the enabler or the codependent. This is the good parent. They keep the peace and downplay the narcissistic abuse. This role can also be a child's role if that narcissistic parent doesn't have a partner or your parents have split or divorced. In my experience, my father was the enabler or codependent parent and I often remember being yelled at by him just because my mom wanted him to do it or he did spank my sister and I. I can only recall ever being spanked by him once and him saying that he did that just because my mom asked him to or that she was so angry at him for not beating us more that he felt as if it was the right thing to do. Moving into the roles that the children take on, I'll start with the lost child or the invisible child. This child is neither the golden child or scapegoat child, which I will get into. So their existence is kind of ignored. They don't receive praise or blame. They withdraw and isolate. They don't really get attention from the family and their basic needs are hardly met. This is much different from the golden child. The golden child is the child that a narcissistic parent projects their best qualities onto. They don't do anything wrong, they get whatever they want, and the narcissistic often takes that child's side. Something that I found interesting when doing research is that the narcissistic parent will often try to live through this child and merge identities in a way. I say that this is interesting because when my mom was in college, she went to one specific college for one year, when she was around my age maybe. And after that one year was up, she transferred to a completely different college. Well, my sister started attending that same college that my mom went to just for that one year. Now, at this time, I had already been in college and I was going to a different college, but as soon as my mom found out that my sister was going to that same college that she had went to for a year, 
it was almost as if my mom was attending as well. She started getting hoodies of this college. Her front license plate on her car was the college logo or the college mascot. She had bumper stickers of the logo or the mascot on her car. The flagpole outside of her house was the mascot. She was at a lot of the football games. She was at my sister's college a lot of the time. In the four years I was in college, I think my mom visited me four times and I got a measly sticker on the back of her car. Yes, this used to upset me, but now I'm just interested in all of it. So I'll continue with the last role, the scapegoat child. It's me, y'all. This child doesn't stay silent or refuses to stay silent about family dysfunction. The narcissistic parent projects their shame and rage onto this child and tries to convince the family that the scapegoat child is the problem. There are two types of scapegoat children. One is to be seen as weak and sick and the other one angry and rebellious. I do want to say that my older brother also played the scapegoat child, but to my father. My dad wasn't a narcissist, but now that I've moved away and I was actually living with my grandpa, my dad's dad, I got to understand where my dad came from and what he went through as a child and stuff he never talked about. So I know that my dad wasn't just projecting unhealed wounds, but he was also enabling my mom's narcissistic tendencies. I remember her being so angry at my brother for rebelling and doing what he was doing that she would get my dad to take care of it. I don't want to get too much into that, but my point was that my brother was also the scapegoat child in the family, just to a different parent, and he was the rebellious scapegoat child. I find it interesting that there can be two types of scapegoat children because my brother was projecting that rebellious and angry child, and I wouldn't say I was weak and sick, but I really longed for that golden child relationship with the narcissistic parent. All jokes aside, but maybe I would say that I was weak and sick mentally. I want to add that you can play multiple roles, not at the same time, but when circumstances change. I was always the scapegoat child when I lived with my mom, but there was a period where I didn't live with her and I would consider myself the lost child. I spent a lot of this time in my room. I did live with my dad at this time, but I stayed in my room. I isolated myself. I withdrawn from the family. I would just go to school, come home, and just stay in my room for hours. In the last episode, I talked about invalidation, and I find that it's important to talk about family roles when also speaking about invalidating. Because I know I held on to my story, my feelings, and my experiences for so long because I was not only the scapegoat, but that I was in a family with a narcissistic parent and a golden child that had a strong enabling relationship. And as the scapegoat child, when speaking out about what's happening, how you're feeling, and the experiences that you had as a child, you are often invalidated by the narcissistic parent and golden child, and even the codependent parent. 
it wasn't until I moved out of America and away from my family did I start realizing the role I played in my family and how important it is to not only recognize the role but to move out of that role. I know we live in a world where we value parents and not I'm not saying that as a bad thing we value parents and when you get older you're supposed to take care of your parents the same way that they took care of you despite any neglect or abuse that happened in your house which can hold people back like myself thinking that I can't get out of my situation because how society's telling me to take care of my parents although I have a toxic relationship with a parent especially it being my mother. The amount of looks, the amount of comments I've gotten from people just because it's my mom. It's as if the relationship, that mother-daughter relationship is much more important than the child healing from abuse and healing from neglect. When we start talking about dismantling transgenerational trauma and making sure that the projection of unhealed wounds stops at us. Sometimes we have to get into removing ourselves from a parent or just the family system as a whole. Y'all, I love my family, I miss them, but since moving, I've painted a different picture for what family looks and feels like. I know moving isn't accessible for everyone and it's not always an option, but moving has hands down been the best thing for me. My brother who I mentioned who is also a scapegoat child in our family system has also moved and we've both shared our experiences and the love that we feel from friends we now have. Going back to moving not being accessible, building friendships and maintaining those friendships and relationships outside of your family is vital. They're important because sometimes, or hopefully, these relationships that we build outside of our family can be the relationships where we start learning how to love and how to receive love. We start getting the feelings and the love and attention that we didn't receive from our family or in our house as children. This is just an opinion, I, but I feel as if you were to physically stay in your role, in your family system, it's hard to mentally get out of that role or mentally remove yourself from that narcissistic family system. Because all the other roles are still playing their parts. The enabler is still the enabler, the narcissistic parent is still who they are, the golden child, the lost child, the scapegoat. If everyone is still playing the role that they've taken on, then it's very hard, maybe as a scapegoat child or even the lost child, to remove yourself from that role without removing yourself from the whole family. And again, I know how hard it is to remove yourself from family, especially when society puts such a heavy weight on the value of family without considering abuse and neglect and considering family outside of the family you're born into being family. I just want to finish off and say if it wasn't for the people that I've become friends with and so close with since leaving America, I can't say that I would be where I am today. But that is it for today, you guys. Thank you to those who are listening and thank you to those who support me. 
I will be back with another episode, so thanks, Trauma. So stay tuned. <laughs>